Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Monday, the 7th of January, 2019. Starting things off right by knowing what the date is. Uh, that will not last. No, it will not. Have you had to sign a check or anything like in 2019 yet? The remembering yes. to do it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard to remember. I don't I mean, do a lot of that's, checks. I was going to say that's in part because you write so few checks anyway. Like you don't really develop the habit. We well, get into way. a groove. You get, yeah. it's like 2018, man. Let's just keep rolling with this. Joining us in studio today, very excited. Uh, you know him from his Twitter feed at Laker Film Room. You know him from uh, his work on Silver Screen and Roll and The Athletic. Uh, Pete Zayas, hi. How you doing, man? Great to be here. I've told you guys this off the air, but you're a big influences on me. I've been a fan of your guys for a long time, and mm-hmm. you definitely inform kind of how I've gone about my business. And that is why your life is spiraling down. <laughs> I was going to say, when, when, you're, when your child has nothing, uh, I don't know the age of... Uh, of your offspring, but when they have no, you know, no nest egg to look forward to. Right. Yeah, this is what this is what I'm telling my girlfriend when she's planning on leaving me. Right, like, I just modeled myself after them. Well, I'm living in a box because I have no retirement. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to journalism in 2019, and I know it's 2019 because I just signed a check. Um, look, there's a lot to talk about today because, like, the Lakers are in a fascinating place. Uh, they'll play tonight. In Dallas, fascinating. And, certainly, one way. I, I've, I've, That's an F word for it, right? I didn't yeah. say it was. It was a good, fast, happy, fascinating place, but a lot of sad and unhappy places are also fascinating. But they played tonight in, in Dallas. Um, Kuzma plays. They they have a better chance to win. Kuzma doesn't play. They don't. Um, and it's not because Dallas is so good, although they are fifteen and three at home. It's because the Lakers team that has taken the floor in the last couple nights. If that team played eighty two games. Uh, Pete, I, I would peg that as a 17-win team. Yeah, absolutely. It's no, just it's a bad basketball. They're team. probably the worst team in the Western Conference right now, with Phoenix right. having Booker back and being a little bit. Yeah, better. with all those guys, and so like you can't expect them to win many games. It would be nice if they played a little better than they did last night, but uh, but regardless, against Minnesota, what's kind of fascinating about those like big picture. Like the Lakers, to me, have shown that they they're a pretty good team when everybody's there. When LeBron's there, Kuzma's there, and Rondo's there, they they're pretty good. Their record was good. When those guys aren't, they're not. And so, really, we're just kind of waiting around um, for for this moment to end with LeBron. So, when you look at it, Pete, and, this and for is people a- unaware, by the way, LeBron will be reevaluated on Friday, which mm-hmm. means he will miss tonight's game in Dallas. He's going to miss, miss Wednesday's, Wednesday's game, game against the Pistons, and then probably Friday's game also against. I'd guess, sure, but. You never know. People have been talking like the earliest he would play would be sometime early in the week following or over the weekend. Um, And, and Pete, this is a good thing for you to to think about because you also have to write your answers for our uh, athletic roundtable. For people unaware, by the way, too, Brian and I are covering the Lakers for the athletic along with Pete. Uh, Everybody should be uh, subscribing if you're not already. What do you take from this stretch? Like. So what's they, useful from it other than the Lakers are dropping in the standings? It, really, the spotlight's shining so bright on Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, and they're not rising to the occasion, right? Like, I think that what you'd like to see is the Oklahoma City game is a good example of a team that competed, you know, played hard, guys stepped up as best as they could. Kuzma went out at halftime of that game. Um, and then they ultimately didn't have the horses to finish down the stretch. You can live with that, right? But you want to see kind of a semblance of them being two guys who, if necessary, could handle some of the load and be a somewhat competent team. All of the context, you know, put into that. And they, they just haven't been like four shots from Lonzo isn't acceptable. I've oh. ranted and raved about how they deploy Ingram um, 
So yeah, I have a lot of frustration that's centered around both of those guys, both with them and the team. And it's funny, like on that, those lines, Andy, because like the the the, the Minnesota game. Like the contrast between those guys was staggering. Like, yeah, and, and Ingram was almost trying too hard to do everything, right. and Lonzo wasn't doing anything. Well, the, I mean, the whole thing was bizarre from the beginning. You're referencing that Lonzo only took four shots um, against the Timberwolves on Sunday and was held scoreless, but everything got off to a very bizarre start with Luke Walton's decision to mm. go Twin Towers and start JaVale McGee and Avica Zubats together. Um, his explanation after the game was he was concerned about rebounding, and Minnesota destroyed them on the right. offensive glass. In one game, in one game they played. Another right. one, it was pretty close to even. And conceptually, I get what Luke was saying. In reality, I have no effing idea what he was thinking with that lineup because you're taking a team that's already lacking continuity and cohesion, and it's looking more and more confidence. And you're putting him in a situation where you're taking two guys who forget never having played minutes together. It would be surprising to me if they've ever even scrimmaged on the same team. Yeah. Like, because there'd be no reason for them to do it unless you're getting ready for the Timberwolves. But uh, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that I think got things off to a, a shaky start to begin with, just, you know, the bizarreness. It was sort of overthought. Yeah. And then, but overthinking, though, is in its own right a problem for Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. The, this begs a bigger question for me about Luke, actually, in that starting lineup. We assume that he's modern philosophically because he's young. Now that uh, Flip Saunders' son has taken over in Minnesota, he's now the youngest. But before that, Luke was the youngest guy in the NBA. He comes from Golden State. But if you look at the deployment of the Lakers, like the emphasis on Brandon Ingram's mid-range game. That's a very he the the style that he plays would be a lot more effective in the 80s and the 90s, right? So how, how modern is Luke? Well, thinking, okay, let like, me. This is a good thing for you to answer because you know you nobody breaks down more tape at least in this room than you do because Andy <laughs> and I don't. Um, no offense, but I really hope the answer to that does not include the Lakers staff, right? Because if I mean, you break somebody, down, if you break down more than the staff, we're in a really bad place. Yeah. Again, no offense to the work you do because it's terrific. But you shouldn't. No, I, I shouldn't more I than shouldn't. them. I think Luke is is a modern coach in the sense of how he communicates with players, in mm-hmm. terms of how he thinks of players, and the relationship between coaches and players. Uh, I think he's modern in the ethic that he wants to try to instill in how they play, in terms of ball movement, sharing, and not having one player um, be dominant in every sense, like kind of like they have in Golden State, where it really is sort of egalitarian ethic, despite having four stars. I, what you know, he's modern. And they like to run too. That's that's sort of a getting back to 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 that as well. When they get into a half court, though, people ask this question a lot: like, what is the system that they're running? And to some degree, the answer is LeBron. Like it's the LeBron system, and that's what LeBron teams do: is they run the LeBron system, but. Bigger picture, I don't have a great answer for that, and I think some of it is related to personnel because they don't have a great uh, set of guys for let's play a a four four you know four out one in kind of thing, and we'll drive and we'll drive and kick or whatever because they don't have shooters. Um, They're not equipped for a lot of things. I don't know what is. Do you get a sense of what it is that they like to do? Uh, Yeah, I think 
you made a, a, a good distinction between like his ethic mm-hmm. and then there's the implementation. The Lakers make the third fewest passes in the NBA. And they have always wanted to Luke always talks about, talks three, about it. 300, 300 passes, right? Yes. We know about that. Now, the comparison I make is Brett Brown during the tanking years, right? Even when they had this very transient roster of of guys coming in and in and out, they were still in the top five, top three in passes per game. He had implemented a system, just the players weren't very good, right? The story about the Lakers not hitting that 300 threshold, even though that's a stated goal of the head coach, that tells me that there's problems with Luke doesn't know how to get the 300 passes per game. Whereas a guy like Brett Brown without what even they, less talent does They cross half court and they just make like three or four of them really fast <laughs> to each other. And this then go and every time, just right? boom, yeah. boom, 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 and then just go. Because now you got five like in yeah. each trip. But I mean, but that that's interesting though because the, in in evaluating Luke in the time that he's been the head coach of this team, like I I, I feel like we've seen enough evidence that he can get a team playing defense even in a way that's better than yes. the sum of its parts. Because the last two years, on paper, these are not rosters that project well defensively. Right, and they have this year. I think even more than last. Yes, I. I I would agree. Um, and both years they've managed to, if nothing else, exceed my expectations. So in that sense, Luke should be getting some credit for that type of identity as a coach. But beyond running, you know, as as an ethos, you know, just get out and run, we haven't really seen any evidence that he can – I mean, forget what his ethos would be in a structural sense offensively I don't even know if we've gotten a sense of what the ethos would be. Like, forget whether or not he actually can instill it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, first off, your point about the defense is absolutely the case. I think he's done a great job of putting guys in a position to succeed. Just one example is having Kuzma trail shooters. Kuzma overall is a poor defender, but that's one thing he does well, and he's recognized that and put him in the position to do that. The the main component that I see that makes everything fall apart is the Lakers don't know how to set screens and they don't know how to use screens. So passes are not going to be made if a guy isn't open. You also have all of these guys that are top three picks that their entire lives have been, when things break down, I'm going to take over, I'm going to do it. And so when the screen that's happening off the ball, if nobody's open off of that, they're not going to give it up to the other guy to be in the same position of not having an, an advantage created. So then you start to see Ingram go ISO. You see Alonzo's the opposite problem where he's going to overpass to a guy before an advantage is created but ultimately like that you have to be able to teach that from a player development standpoint for your system and for your sets to begin to work to learn what that's going to be and i think some of it too with ingram though is psychological because if you ask luke what and you did you literally asked this question what is a great the ideal stat line for luke it looks like what he did in that second sacramento game it's it's 20 points, it's you know nine rebounds, it's seven assists, it's a block, it's a steal. And that might be 14 points and 11 rebounds. Like the, the, Luke de-emphasizes scoring for, for Ingram. It's, it's different now with nobody else in line. He kind of has to try to do it and, and whatever. But under normal circumstances, the message, messaging that you get from the front office, from Magic specifically, is much more... Hey, he's twenty point. I'd be dis- like I said I'd be disappointed if Ingram doesn't score twenty points and all that. And so I think when when Ingram gets out on the floor right now and he and he knows like, okay, this is there's nobody else. I got to go do this. And so I, I think he thinks of himself as the kind of player who has who has to go break down the offense, score in bunches, be the the. But he wasn't this. He didn't even he didn't put up twenty five a night at Duke. 
He scored seventeen a game. It wasn't like this is. I think what he is and like what a what a star could be. Um, you know, more of an Andre Iguodala, prime Iggy type thing where he fills the stat. I've made this for Brandon Ingram since like maybe a month into his rookie year, just watching the way he played because heading into the the Lakers, the comp was always Kevin Durant. And a because lot of that tall was just, and skinny. Right. And, you know, both second overall picks, both one and duns. You know, I mean, the, both of them, there were concerns about filling into their body. And a lot of it was, you know, who wouldn't want the next Kevin Durant, but also there's there's a laziness to it. And I've always felt like he could be Ingram in terms of potential, like a rich man's Andre Iguodala. Sure. Like in, in the sense of rich, by rich man's, I say, because Iggy, it's easy to forget, prime Iggy was a really good player. I say rich just because if his body fills in the way you hope he can, the length that he has gives him an advantage that Iguodala just simply can't replicate. But the idea that Iguodala was this he's a guy that can score if you need he's, him he's to. He's good at everything. Right. Maybe not excellent at any of those Other parts, than defensive. But, but he very an outstanding defense. And Ingram is developing into that. But like just very good but I, at But I feel all like the that's stuff. where Ingram's instincts lied heading into the NBA. But also that may be where his natural talents lie and this segs well into pete on twitter at uh laker film room you wrote out what could only be described as the citizen cane of brandon ingram <laughs> threads um and obviously we can't have i mean it really rosebud. was it was like this sweeping epic rosebud. like that yeah i mean by the end there was a rosebud moment like rosebud. at the end and we see you know Bre- the entire the entirety of brandon ingram's life was laid out, and I want to say it's just tw- Pete like, in front of a fireplace. Yeah, like the twenty, t- and there there was a sled and all this different <laughs> stuff. But like, could you just? And this this thread was all about how you feel that the coaching staff has misused and misdeveloped, if that's a word, Brandon Ingram. I don't believe it is. Why? Why do you feel that way? Because. I don't think that they are aligning with his natural talent. And I, I put it beyond the coaching staff to the organization as a whole. Brian pointed out the comment about if he doesn't score 20 per game, then that's a disappointment. And I don't necessarily take that literally, but the point is that you're going to be No, but I think Brandon does. And that's yeah, part, I well, think Ingram does. Like, he hears that from Magic. He's like, i got to go do that now. You know, and a friend of mine sent me a, a video after I posted that thread of, of uh, Jeff Capel at Duke showing – Brandon Ingram, Kevin Durant clips, and like this is, it's been very much fed into him. This is what you're going to be. This is mm-hmm. who you are. But when you actually watch him, I, l- that thread started out with, you know, I was talking about one of my first videos I ever did was a 26 minute, like ridiculous video on how he'd fit in with the Lakers and watching him at Duke. And he was just a guy that did a little bit of everything. And the guy that I, I think of, and Iguodala is of this, a similar ilk, uh, is a former Laker in Lamar Odom. We don't think, you know, we think of Lamar Odom very left handed, and sometimes we don't compare guys based on their handedness but Lamar wasn't a guy that could impact as a rebounder as a defender but a, a tall ball handler which is really the there's a rarity to Brandon's game that it's and there's very little that you look at him and say he can't do this mm-hmm. and which so, is why people thought like well I'm sure he'd be able to play with LeBron because he can do that like sure. you need a guy to do that whatever that is he can do that 
Right. And so that's why it seemed like it would be a natural thing for him to play next to him. But but there's been this organizational pressure for him to be a go-to scorer, and he does not have the natural inclination nor the skill set to do that, at least at first. We've seen guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George grow into that role, mm-hmm. but that on-ball ability is always the last piece of the puzzle after catch and shoot, after being able to move off the ball to set screens to use them, and then eventually, hey, now I've got triple threat moves, I've got off-the-dribble moves, which Brennan has that some, but a big part of that is because that's what they've focused on. He's still not at the point. So so now he can't be the guy when LeBron's out, but he also can't thrive next to him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's problematic. I think they need to shift their focus. Uh, you mentioned, too, like the idea of, of him not, fo- uh, not thriving with LeBron out. Do you think there's an element of him not thriving because he's being literally asked to replicate LeBron? Absolutely. And that goes back to my frustration with Luke is if there's a system in place, you see a team like Denver, they went, they had injuries as the number one seed to very key guys. And you're able to kind of plug and play when you don't have that existing system. And it's more based around one person, the LeBron system that you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. Then you have this guy who's obvious. Of course, he's going to fail trying to be LeBron. He's not LeBron. He's not close to being LeBron. That's my frustration with not having actual, you know, systemic things to rely on. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because when you mentioned Lamar Odom, and Brian and I covered basically the entirety of Lamar's career with the Lakers, and we were around him all the time, Lamar had this very stated ethos that he thought scoring was essentially overrated in mm. terms of the way you evaluate players, or that the importance of scoring... In part because every- he didn't do it consistently. Right, but yeah. sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm not saying there was nothing self-interested in his argument, but you know, this was also... Lamar's philosophy on the game was that there were far more ways you could affect a game, and in a lot of ways more important ways than you could affect a game from scoring. You can debate the right or wrong of it, but this was something Lamar, you know, forget just debating Phil or, you know, butting up against Phil one and from or Kobe one. These are debates he would have with us pregame. And eventually, I think the the Lakers, but either by accident or by design, they had to accept the fact that Lamar was most effective as a third option. Maybe even some night a fourth option, but once he became that guy, he became the best possible version of himself and this invaluable version of himself. They don't win those two championships without Lamar. But if Lamar was the second banana, he's never going to look as good. Right. As he did, you know, once Powell and I guess to a lesser extent Bynum were there. The the question then is that is not Ingram's view of himself right and he does he no, wants to Ingram be an thinks he wants is a star right like a legit Absolutely. star so and, so even if that is what his best natural role would be is in a lamar third option or, or below does ingram have that same mindset like do you have to play toward how the player views themselves well i, I think this is a couple things first is this this is one of those things that drives me nuts when people in the the weird i don't want to get down this rabbit hole but the weird Kuzma or Ingram, you must choose. <laughs> yes. Like vibe, like the, like you can't think both of them are good. Like let's figure out a way for both of them to succeed. No, it's like you have to choose. But like when people say, well, Kuzma's got like the it factor. He's got the dog, and he wants to be great. Like, like well, no, Kuzma's better at talking. Yes, Kuzma is better at marketing, and he takes it seriously, and he consults people, and he makes sure he's like he asks the questions of like, how do I do this for myself? And Ingram doesn't. Nobody on the team wants to be better than Brandon Ingram. Like, I'm not saying that other guys aren't tied. And Kuzma's a worker. Like, yeah, Kuzma I'm, works There are maybe off. three or four guys that are tied. All I'm saying is Ingram wants to be great. 
and yep. he works really hard. And there, you know, all the stuff you can say about his development, nobody has ever said he's not in the gym and he doesn't try. I mean, like, so he just doesn't talk about it. He doesn't get, he's not that kind of personality. So what you were saying, Pete, like he wants to be a star and he thinks of himself that way. And where I, where I think the, 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 the negative fallout for what the last couple seasons have been is that every year it's been different. Every year it's a, it's, you have different guys coming in and they're kind of, you're developing these guys to be quote unquote the man. But at the same time, everybody knows that as soon as we get the man, you're not going to be the man anymore. You're going to have to adjust to the man and all that. And like, it's, it's just never been the same. And I, I don't know what the plan has been if they've been planning on, because you can't plan for, getting certain players because you don't know if they're coming. It, it's just a natural downside, I think, of the way the Lakers have been operating over the last couple of years. And to some extent, still operate, even though they have LeBron, because you still don't know what that next piece is going to be. And if it's going to come free agency or if, all, if it becomes a moot point, because all of these guys have been traded for whoever that guy is. The Lakers have been punting cap space since 2014, and we're signing our checks in 2019 now. And there's going to be as a, we established in the that's, beginning of the show has been established. Yes, and, and so hopefully they're filling in the right date. Or, yes, uh, yes, you would hate to see one of their trades <laughs> fall apart because they have the wrong date on. Well, as long as you don't post date it, I think you, like if, you, if they cash a check from 2017, it still should be fine. That's true. That's true. So the there's going to be that like role change and that's something we've seen with with Ingram right is he started his career as part of a really good bench unit with mm-hmm. Lou Williams and Jordan Clarkson creating shots and Turek Black Black and uh, Larry Nance sitting screens doing dirty work and him kind of fitting in the spaces between providing per- perimeter defense and it's like oh you're a go-to wing scorer now it's like oh, okay I, I guess I'm that now you know and so but again it goes back to like if, but I, a lot of that's out of necessity rather than good point right yes. it's because like well we can't go get the players that would be better at this because we have to conserve our cap space so we just need you to do it right and and, and, and that's can, gonna be, and sort of absolutely and that's going to be something that's going to shift a young player even lonzo experiences this right he's with lebron in the lineup he's getting like 54 touches per game last year i think that was in the 80s mm-hmm. you know that's a it's a it's a completely different role and so when you're developing a guy like if, if we were in the espn studios and you're a host one year and then you're a producer next year and a sound engineer the next <laughs> year like how good are you going to be at any of those jobs yeah it's it I mean, Ingram's role year to year has changed a yep. lot. And this was something Brian and I used to talk a lot about about with Jordan Clarkson. And I don't think it's an exact apples-to-apples comparison because I think Brandon Ingram just has a lot more upside and potential and talent than Clarkson. He's able to do those things. Like, they try to make Clarkson into a point guard. They try to, like, ultimately, Clarkson always reverts to being... But Jordan it didn't. Clarkson. But I, I do think, in fairness to Jordan Clarkson, it didn't help his development. I don't know how much it held him back. But it didn't help. Yeah. In Ingram's case, because there's so much more potential there, you do wonder the harm that's being done. Uh, let, before we get into Lonzo, the, the question I always like to ask is, is because, again, once Le- LeBron comes back, Rondo comes back, Kuzma's back in the lineup, some of these things become moot because they go back to what they were before. And even if Ingram and LeBron are an imperfect fit, like if you start to look at it, you know the, the net rating of that pairing has slowly been improving over the course of the year. Like it's It's been getting better, and they are... Better, particularly defensively, when Ingram plays. Like the idea that you just you know put him on the bench and he'll be like the leader of the bench unit and he'll play twenty two minutes and that'll be perfect for him. No, if you like, you need Brandon Ingram playing thirty five minutes a game because your team's not as good if he doesn't. Um, but like if you're the rest of the league 
and you're looking at this stretch when LeBron's not in, trying to figure out you know who looks better, who looks worse. It hasn't been good for the Lakers because I think Hart, I think has gone back to a little bit more of like okay, he's a high end role player like. Hart and Zubats both need guys creating shots right. for them. Like, and they've both tanked right up to And Hart's going to benefit for a long time from right. the found money factor anyway. Right. Oh, but for sure. But like this, there was a, a brief moment where you're like, ooh, wait a minute. He could be so- something more than that to where maybe you could remove Ingram or Kuzma if you had to, where before you had to give both. Maybe if you throw in Hart now, you can keep one of those guys back or whatever it might be. And now I think he's a player that almost every team in the league would love to have. But also, nobody in the league would look at and say he's going to be better than a really, like, really great role player on your team, which is awesome. Um, but not the kind of thing that that swings trades. I think uh, Kuzma. I think he's probably people still think he's exactly what Spirit's he was before. Been which fantastic is great. for and December. That's been terrific. The last two games, but December was really great for Kuz because he started to show. Oh, he can play a little bit of defense if you do it right. Uh, he can rebound a little bit. He will pass. He can do so. That's been great. I don't know how much damage has been done to Ingram. I think maybe you guys can can weigh in as well. I think I don't think he's because I don't think he's been bad since LeBron went out. I think that's there's so the expectations to. The actual production is bad on Sunday against the Wolves, but overall, I don't think he's. It's not that he hasn't been that he's been really bad. It's just that he hasn't gone to that next level when being given the responsibility of being the man to where you go. Oh, okay. Well, he can be our number one. So that's problem. But the guy I think has gotten hurt most is Lonzo. Yes, I mean, so he. I think this last game against Minnesota in particular is probably fresh. The, the frustrating thing with Lonzo is that when he's at his best and, and what we saw at UCLA especially, there's a joy to his game. There's a, like there's a whole vibe that comes with him that carries over through the whole team. We saw it in that first game that they played against the Kings they, when they lost on the Bogdanovich mm-hmm. three-pointer, but Lonzo dominated all over that the place. game. He was all over and and that's that that all over the place. Like we can debate his skill set. He can he make a right-handed layup, right? His his three-point shot coming and going, but when he's himself, he's all over the place. And he maybe he's missing shots within that, but that has been so inconsistent in a game against Minnesota where he just drifts. He shot well against the Knicks, but he drifted in that game. He didn't too, do it in any and, and and this this free throw thing oh, is I, really becoming a problem because he, he is he plays what thirty minutes a night, give or take, something like that. Mm-hmm. He averages one free throw a game. Yeah, like and it, that free throw terrifies the bleep out of him. Right, <laughs> it, it does. Two things it, are related. It, it scares the crap but out. But it's of yeah. like you can't, you just can't do that. I don't care how unique you are and what your skill set is. Like in the in the NBA, like you can't be a thirty minute a night point guard who. That's a little. Averages a free throw a game. That's a small bit of evidence that I think points to him being very much in his head. He was a sixty-seven percent free throw shooter in college, which isn't good, obviously. But it's better. It's twenty-five points better than he is now, right? Right. And and so that should be something that translates directly. He shot seventy percent or or so in high school, you know. And so to me, that's something that very much points to because that turnover, the turnover he had against the Knicks on 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 Friday, which was. Near the end, the little jump capacity thing was a direct result of I can't, 
I'm, I'm not confident that I can finish when there's somebody in my way. He's driving. If he can get past the and he's got a clear lane, like he should, wow, he's shown some athleticism, things we don't expect. But if there's somebody there that he has to work around, he he doesn't he won't take that. And that's shot. very often the case in an NBA, in the NBA game. game. Like you're right. not going to get that many clear shots at the basket. And you see, you see a lot of the other was it Minnesota or New York where he thought he had that path and was blocked from behind. Yeah, Minnesota. Like yeah. just like the, that that awareness. He just he's not he's unwilling to take the contact because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. Well, if you if you're unwilling to have anybody touch you, then you you you're not an effective finisher inside. Well, if you're going to be that guy, then you best be. You know Steph Curry from the perimeter. He's not that either, and I feel like this kind of thing starts other other franchises look at it and say, "I don't know what to do with that." Yeah, and that's problematic. I think a part of that is technical development. Where just to put it in plain English, when he comes off of a screen, he's going 100 miles an hour. He doesn't know how to stop. He, he doesn't know how to pull up or shoot a runner or a floater or anything like that. So Andy. They're going to be... <laughs> Andy can't do any of Andy those Andy also things. wasn't the number two pick in the 2017 oh, true. draft. True. Counterpoint. Sorry, not, 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 not on a guaranteed deal right now, as far as I know. You know so, uh, wouldn't be here if I was. <laughs> so Shut down, Kevin. <laughs> I just wouldn't be in the studio. No, now. I mean, what, I don't know why you would... Do. Right, you'd be in Dallas. <laughs> I would love to see Lonzo with an offseason to work on his game. Because uh, he didn't and get to, one this year. Right. It's worth and and out. even in his rookie year, he you know after summer league, he got shut down mm-hmm. with with a knee issue and, and whatnot. This also goes back to my concerns about the organization's player development. And when you see this, the, a young player make, making the same mistakes every time, it's not a matter of the success or, or not. But Julius Randle, for example, shooting threes and his, li- his hips always twisting clockwise right so he'd start square to the basket and then would end up facing the sideline just a little thing like that i don't care if the shot went in or not you were never going to have consistent success as a shooter why is this particular thing not been addressed mm-hmm. does that guarantee that he will be successful if he fix that no but that is a technical flaw and there are things in all of these guys games. is he doing that still in new orleans i don't know i don't watch it? enough of them i know that he's shooting a career high he's shooting yeah. about 32 he's shooting more percent from, yeah and he's taking three as well um but you, just little things like that i don't know that's where my knowledge ends, and I start to speculate. I've never been a player development guy in the NBA. I don't know their process. This is the room for speculation. But, but I see, but I see the same technical mistakes space, where Lonzo doesn't know how to one two and pull up, even if he doesn't take the shot, right? But Lonzo runs into the brick wall a hundred miles an hour every time. He needs to develop the tools to go around the brick wall, go over the brick wall, to not make the same mistake every time. I wonder, Andy, with Lonzo though, what. There are a couple things, and let's 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 start with this one. But I, I I feel like with Lonzo, I wonder because he was always he was brought up by Lavar and trained by Lavar, and always in systems with Lavar that were designed to accentuate all the things that Lonzo did well and protect him from having to do the things that he didn't. Yeah. And then also you're playing, you know, in high school you're playing inferior competition and so on and so on. Well, and also too, Lavar is I think we can put it generously, he's an idea man. <laughs> and very often, idea men are not people who are into the detail details. Men. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of detail in terms of the fundamentals of Lonzo's game. I mean, that somebody like even I can recognize, it's not there. He's the man who conceives of and uh, creates the sales of the invigorating tonic, but doesn't necessarily mix the invigorating tonic. Yeah, I mean, like, used to sell I, I remember last year, yes. watching Lonzo warm up before games. He would forget the fact that he would miss an alarming amount of shots unguarded, you know. And and these warm ups are periods where most players, yeah, they don't miss. I mean, I even remember, players... I remember two years ago, two three years ago, when it, when Embiid was still hurt, 
the Sixers were in town. He's not even allowed to like move. And he's just, he's talking to like the, one of the trainers or somebody and not even looking really at the rim, just getting balls, casually shooting. He's making like 70% yeah, of the uncontested And you'll see threes. guys, you know, JaVale McGee will be warming up taking like 15 footers that he's going to take maybe one every three games during an actual game, but he'll take these and he'll make a lot of them. Like, you know, you, these, these warm up periods are where guys get their rhythm going, get their confidence going in part because nobody's guarding and nobody's going to make it difficult for them. Lonzo would miss a remarkable amount of these shots, but also, too, his shots always looked different. Like, every single time he took a shot, his feet would be going one way, his his release point would be different, the setup would be different. Like, he'd be all over. The, he'd be like right. a marionette in the wind or something. I mean, he's just, like, all over the place. Like a, one of those little fluffy things that they use car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, what do you call those things? I don't know. Uh, the, the, the used car. It's like a windsock. Yeah, exactly. Basically. I mean, and... These are issues, uh, like you were saying, Pete, of development and habits that the longer they go unchecked, and there are so many of them, Lonzo is this strange combination that you never see of well-rounded with awful fundamentals, which is bizarre. But also, I think it speaks to the idea that forget teams around the league not quite knowing what they would do with Lonzo. Watching him on the court, there's a lot of times where Lonzo doesn't seem to know what he wants to do with himself. And I think that's problematic for both this team and Lonzo. Yeah, well, I think to Brian's point about having systems before this built around him, and even to some extent last season as well, um, this is the first year where it's well, not Last year was the first year he set the foundation for breaking all of Magic's records. So you kind of have to build around him. <laughs> Although, otherwise, some of those records might still stand. Pete. Yeah, we, we can't have that. Yeah, we, we can't have that. So um, I, I do think that Lonzo has lost some of the joy and some of what makes him good even when he's bad. My friend of mine had a great line like I can't tell if Lonzo's the best or the worst great player I've ever seen or the best awful player I've ever seen, you know, like and I think that really encapsulates kind of the essence of him, but there is a there is a, a joy and an all over the placeness that when he's mentally right that to me can not overcome so many of those fundamental you know deficiencies that he has, but I can credibly make an argument. He's still helping them win games oh, for when sure. he does X, Y, and Z. But he's not doing. He's had more listless games this season, halfway through. I agree with you. Than all of last. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing something I saw you tweet one time about how you know when Lonzo's jump shot disappears, like you know it ghosts. Oh yeah, it's like, all the way. Yeah, I mean, he's it's... either shooting like 45 percent from three or 12. Yo, like, I, I, I've there's never very seen... little middle ground. Oh, they forget that. Just when Lonzo takes a three, more often than not, like it either goes in so smooth, yeah. barely touching net, you would think Curry shot it, or it misses the basket altogether. Right. Like, but, he shoots... but he's not shy. I'll give him that. Like he's stepped up and taken a lot of big late fourth quarter mm-hmm. three pointers this year with a ton of confidence. But but the the point I was going to paraphrase from Pete is. When Brandon Ingram has a bad game or when he's ineffective, you are always aware of him having that bad, ineffective game. When Lonzo has a bad, ineffective game, he disappears. Yeah. Like it is easy to forget he's been on the court. He, he's not even a threat anymore when he's like that. Like Ingram or Kuzma, they'll have their nights where they go over whatever from three, and Ingram doesn't take as many, but they're always a threat just. Overall on the court, from three or otherwise, Lonzo they they just stop guarding him and they got to take him out of the game. What, what I what I think is is interesting too, like the, and this is pure armchair pop psychology again. Perfect room, <laughs> perfect room for this. Uh, 
how both like you go back to the responses from each of these guys uh, over the last couple of days when they've been talking about like the pressure. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel Ingram? I think internalized and say yes. There he is. I got to go. And you see him the next day. You know, driving fourteen times the basket, not even sort of thinking about. Let me take just take a couple threes, and that'll open it up a little bit and make it easier. Even if I miss him, whatever. You're like he's just go. I got to attack. I got to attack. I got to attack. Um, and clearly feeling and internalizing this pressure to to perform. Lonzo, who also yes, you know, for people on Twitter, yes, Lonzo cares. Lonzo doesn't like losing. Lonzo cares deeply about being good and all this all this stuff. I think Lonzo, though, when when it like reverts back to like, no, I'm going to be Lonzo. Like, regardless of what you need me to be, I'm going to be Lonzo Ball. And sometimes I feel like his, like in the Lonzo thing is I'm going to make my teammates better. I don't have to have the ball to do it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to move it. I'm going to make everybody. And like refusing to be, quote unquote, selfish or assertive or dominate the ball or all this other stuff. And because of it, he kind of fades in the background. It's this sort of, emphasis on being himself. I was thinking about this last night and this morning that I think psychologically he digs back into the the caricature of what Lonzo was supposed to be mm. and what he's been told so often that he's supposed to be. And I think I worry sometimes has trouble not being that mm. guy because sometimes in the NBA you just got to be a point guard. Mm-hmm. Like you can be Lonzo Ball, and you can do it in, a, in your own way or whatever. Sometimes they just need, we just need you to be a point guard. Sometimes you're the guy that's open. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the, he's got to take the shot just when do he's it. open. Like just yeah. and, and don't jump pass and like and yeah. miss. It's fine because if you miss, Javale is going to crash the offensive bus and and put get the ball. Put, just go and do it and and whatever. I I don't know if it's necessarily a fear of failure or a fear of looking different than he's supposed to, of not being able to perform differently than he's been brought up to do it. He just doesn't have, like I said, those fundamentals because he is such a has such an unusual background. He's like a like a free range hippie child who grew up on a commune, <laughs> uh, suddenly thrust into the big city. Yeah. Like you know, I don't know, and I I, I think as. Every time you see a game where Ingram struggles, but he's aggressive and you see the length and there are still a couple games, I feel like opposing general managers will look at that and go, get our guys with him, give us six months with that guy, and we're going to get him looking exactly like we did. I think more people look at Lonzo and they say, I don't want to get anywhere near that because I don't know what we can do to fix it. No, I think that's a fair point, and I think that – like. Ingram and Kuzma always play with a sense of urgency. Sometimes it's misguided urgency, but Lonzo does not. And I think when you say, you know, I don't know like what he can be with, I don't think Lonzo knows how to be, you know, you were saying how Lonzo is trying to always be Lonzo. I don't think he knows how to do that all the time. And even within, because there were games where he took over as a scorer at UCLA, mm-hmm. right? There were even a, f- a few games last year where he was like, hey, I'm going to put up some some shots today. I'm really going to go for that. And he scored better, especially in the stretch with LeBron out. Um, part of that's a function of opportunity, but he hasn't been wildly inefficient in the opportunity that he's, that he's had. But I think he's very much trying to find his place. But for for me, as I am a huge Lonzo advocate and and have been, it's hard to defend him when he doesn't play. With I that want him to. I really for both for the Lakers and because he's a twenty year old, twenty one year old kid who seems like a a good enough kid and like nice guy and mm-hmm. work you know good basketballer, unique talent and all that kind of stuff. I want him to be good. I just and it's really early to write him off. I'm not, it, I'm not writing it, off. It is early to write him off, but I don't think it's too early to be concerned. Yeah. Because they, these are concerns that I've had about him going back to last year where, 
you know, he entered the season with so much excitement about the low usage style. And as time has gone on, I think he's too low usage for his own good. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes the low usage style and just sort of the, the unorthodox style, the way he plays, can turn him into a, a, a ga- the equivalent of a gadget player in the NFL. Where, you know, you have to use him a very specific way, and coming up with that specificity is very difficult you know to do. Mandy? Tavon Austin. No. Well, Tavon Austin, a platypus. <laughs> you're going <laughs> to yes, beat you, that you, thing to death, aren't you? Until it works. But you know what? <laughs> you're going to beat that thing to death. Um, but it's like... You get a it's, lot of people nodding their heads like, I see what you're getting at. It's also, though, with Lonzo, it's doubly difficult because, like, Tavon Austin, you know, who now on the Cowboys, was on the Rams as a gadget player, you know, who the Rams famously gave... Him like a $52 million billion. And then said, you know what? Now we'll figure out what to do with him. Now we'll figure out how to use him. Tavon Austin, though, wasn't in control of the offense. Lonzo is mm-hmm. ostensibly in control of an offense that nobody can quite well, figure sort of out. Sometimes is and sometimes is. And some of this gets back to, like, you know, the idea of what they had with LeBron, like, was we're going to, we're not going to do Cleveland and Magic. I think I, I, I liked the idea of what they were trying to do. And and the the concept behind it is we're not going to do LeBron's got it surrounding with shooters because that was what they did in Cleveland and ultimately it's just not been enough to do. We're going to surround him with ball handlers, take some of that pressure off of him, and do, and then about you know fifteen games in LeBron said, no, we're not doing it that way. We're going back to the other way. And so now he's playing the way that he always has, except he doesn't have the 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 the, the compatible talent around him to make it work in the same way. And so Lonzo went from a guy that you would say, like, he's going to have the ball a lot and set up a cutting LeBron and all these other things. And, and, and to somebody like Pete says, is like, well, now he's sort of just standing off in the corner, like you say, Andy, like a gadget player or whatever. And Ingram's the same way. I mean, he's essentially admitted it last week when he said, yeah, basically I've been kind of selfish. Every time he gets the ball, he's like, this is my only chance to get it. I got to go score. I got to go do something. Um, so that this adjustment with them. Has been hard, except for guys like Kuzma, who's doing exactly the same thing he was doing yeah, last year. Yeah, I mean, year. Kuzma and Hart have, generally speaking, done better playing with LeBron, but I also think what they've been asked to do is easier. Well, yeah, it's been, more similar to what they've always had yeah, to do. Yeah, do what you yeah. did last year, except instead of having Lonzo or Tyler Ennis or Brandon Ingram feeding you the ball and getting to you, you have LeBron James right. doing it. Well, um, that's better. But like this also, though, like what's going on with Ingram and what's going on with Lonzo, after the Minnesota loss, Pete, you on Twitter said that You've got some questions about overall player development, not just the way they've developed Ingram and Lonzo, which you know speaks to the front office's overall vision. And even if your concern about Ingram and Lonzo isn't long-term with the Lakers, it's their ability to turn into Anthony Davis. This stuff still all matters. Yeah. And it gets to, we were talking about this before the show, questions that I don't think are at least unreasonable to wonder about in terms of just the organization's ability to evaluate talent and to put together a complete roster and how they want to go about doing it. And, you know, the, the cap space that, you know, on one hand is great to have, but on the other hand, it can handcuff you because, you know, th- their preservation of cap space has been in a lot of ways limiting for them in terms of building a team. It limits the amount of supporting players, the quality of supporting players you can get. And the consistency of them. Right, because they won't commit to anybody beyond a one-year deal. And it also raises questions about, okay, D'Angelo Russell, they were very willing to get rid of. D'Angelo's having a very good season. Mm -hmm. Julius Randle, they clearly had made up their mind last year. He's not in it for the long haul. 
despite him having a great season last year. He's playing well in New Orleans. You know, are you having any questions at all about their Pete their ability to evaluate talent? You know, or like a, a and and picture sort of a, a like a long term a long term vision of what the team should look like. I wonder how much of that had to do with timing with because Russell's coming up for his extension, right? Mm-hmm. Randall was obviously a free agent this year. They could not have kept those guys and preserved their second max player dreams. So say if they were drafted later than Lonzo and Ingram, would Lonzo and Ingram have been the guys to go since they were up for the extension earlier? You know what I mean? But in in terms of the development of those guys, that's absolutely and this all goes back to the de- the attention to detail and the implementation like the Lakers having LeBron James, Rondo, and Lonzo Ball, it's the first time a team's had three of the top ten assist guys in the league from last year. Why are they the third fewest in the NBA of, you know, in terms of passes per game? And the reason I, I tie that to this idea is what you want to do, it's one thing to say what you want to do, it's quite another to know how to do it and how to turn Lonzo into that all-over-the-place guy, how to use him alongside LeBron, how to implement Brandon Ingram and all of this both conceptually and the focus on the details to make those things happen. That's where my questions lie regarding that. Not just in terms of did they pick the right guys, but are they putting those guys on the right path to be successful? Well, I mean, but also, too, like the idea of, you know, they may have sold short Julius Randle's ability to fit with LeBron James. (laughs) Well, I think, think, you know, I do do think, though, like, you do have to differentiate. Randle was somebody that they... Could have kept, like the short term vision of Randall with cap space is much easier to disentangle than it is like two or three years in advance with Rand- with with Russell, Russell and, sure. and those guys because Randall Randall at let's say fourteen million this year with two more years to go might be the single easiest contract to trade in NBA history. No disagreement, but the the flip side of that though, Brian, is the idea that if you under if you undervalue what D'Angelo Russell could potentially do with Star X that turns into LeBron mm-hmm. and his ability to perhaps fill a lot of that void that you were, you know, so focused on having be second free agent player. Like the idea of everything is built around cap space oh, no, you're, bringing no, in the absolutely. obvious star players. Mm-hmm. The three of us can identify Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, go get those guys. You don't have to be a genius to figure out, go get the best players in the league if it's possible. But, you know, their plan is, in a lot of ways, meet the new plan, same as the old plan. We just are counting on magic to have more charisma and also more assets. And it gets back to the idea of, did they keep the correct assets? Well, again, but the thing is, there's, I am, I, and as somebody who thought they, not so much. I understood the logic of the trade at the time, but I didn't. I, it's not that I didn't like the the trade. I didn't like the language around how they talked about Russell, as yeah. if he was a a complete washout, as if it was sort of over. And they they kind of badmouthed him on the way out the Very door so. in ways that I just I, I, they were kind of skeezy. Last year, Russell was hurt a lot. You know, it's like you know, it's like it's not like this this stretch no in Brooklyn's been great, and you know, the, the, he had his own knee trouble in in L.A. and you, and you no had doubt. to come up to a point where you're going to have to pay him, and you know, they're getting to that point with Ingram as well, where they have to sort of they're going to have to decide, uh, you know, his cap hold whether alone or, is right, whether or not you're going to to pay him long term, and that's coming up and and all that, and I think with with Russell, they just decided we're not 
we're not like he's he's not our t- and, and they made the move and it's fine like and you I think you make that move fully aware that he could turn out to be a good player but you know that, so I, I I don't mind that I just I feel like the the question of the development of the guys that you have kept is interesting and like what is the impact of being in this limbo for this long and still being in it while you're tricking that's what the only reason this is freaking people out so much is because it matters if they win these games. The Lakers are. Tw- I'm looking at the standings right now, and I w- before we're done, I want to ask you guys where you think they're going to finish. Um, they're they're 21 and 19. Um, the rest of the conference is sort of sorting itself out a little bit. You know, the Kings have lost seven of ten. They're slowing down. The Grizzlies have have lost five straight. They've lost eight of ten. The Mavericks have lost seven of ten. So that that group of teams that we're all like, really are starting to fade a little bit. But the Jazz are starting to figure it out, and there are going to be probably nine or ten teams that have a chance to get the playoffs. This team last year coming short against Minnesota or New York or whatever, it'd be annoying, it'd be disappointing, it's ultimately meaningless. This year, losing these games, even though they're a 20-win team with what they're putting on the floor, matters a great deal. And it matters how the players play. And it's like all this stuff... The, this limbo that they're in this year is even stranger than the one that they were in the last two years because it matters. It And, and along those lines, it feels like a tryout year for everybody, like a way of figuring out yes. who fits with LeBron, who doesn't. So it's not only are you developing these guys, but there's like... But a, you also have to win in the meantime. So you can't right. totally give <laughs> over to the very experiment year. of seeing like, no, let's just keep playing this group together because you got to like... Oh, Bleep! If this is the night that Lance needs to come in and win, help us win a game, but there's also we got to do that at the expense of Ingram or whatever and, and, it might right. be. I like you back to the point you're making, Pete. But I, I just think it's worth raising. They're also being developed in service of LeBron, which yes. isn't the same thing as being developed to their natural potential That's or how good they actually point. could be. But they have to do it that way. They may have unless to, you can get they may LeBron to, to but it may also be devaluing them as assets in the process. And, and that point about in the service of LeBron, I, I think that like even if you put a, the contractual side with Russell um, to the side, I think that if the plan is to get two max guys and they've already gotten one, it's how do these guys fit as like third option and below Russell? And I've always been a big advocate of his. He's the guy who has the ball in his hands and mm-hmm. is in his credit doing a great job. That would not be the role alongside LeBron or if even more so if they get two guys. So the best argument for your Lonzo ball and your Brandon Ingram types are all of our frustrations with them on the offensive end of side. When they're right, they can really defend and they're two of the better young defenders in the NBA right now. That we is one thing we, we have not given Lonzo his credit in just in this conversation right. about his ability to play defense. So I, I think, and I think when you've got third option and below, we talked about Lamar earlier, part of his value was he was so good on the interior, but could switch out onto the perimeter as well. I, I think you, how well a guy defends is higher on that list for a third option or below. Yeah. And and Russell does not cut the same muster, sure. obviously, in, in that respect. No doubt. So, ultimately, because the, the, the inroads to the guys that they're that we talk about Durant, I still I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi, I don't buy it. Um, Jimmy Butler, I don't want to buy it. Um, <laughs> I mean, in the most literal sense, I don't think they do either. I don't think you you don't you don't just you don't want that. Um, it, you know, in this situation, Middleton's a free agent mm-hmm. this this offseason. Kemba Walker is too. Kemba Walker, 
is Kemba Walker a good fit next to LeBron? I mean, that feels very sort of. It feels like an approximation of Kyrie. There are worse things than that. My concern with Kemba is can, in a seven-game series, I think teams pick on him on the defensive Mm -hmm. end, which is true of Kyrie, but I just don't, with his size, I have concerns. Yeah, I mean, somebody like Middleton, I think, would be able to slide into that role Mm -hmm. because he's already kind of playing it. Well, I actually also wonder if a guy like Middleton, or I mean, maybe to some extent Bradley Beal, I'd have to look up some of like the time of possession and usage numbers for him. If maybe just the idea of with LeBron... The talent obviously matters that you put alongside him, but simplicity may matter more than anything. Yeah, like Chris Middleton is simple to put alongside LeBron, and also, by the way, a really good player, he's a good good two way player, eighty percent of eighty five percent of a lot of these other guys. But I'm just saying, the the simplicity might make up the other fifteen percent because, like next year with Anthony Davis, if they bring him in, in theory is going to be a year spent trying to figure out how to play LeBron and Anthony Davis together. No, I have zero idea what that looks but like. I, I think it could be amazing. But, it could be awesome. But it still may take a year. Right. So then by then, you're in year three of the time with LeBron, just sort of starting to figure out the best way to maximize having right. had him here. The irony is, like, one of the best available free agents is going to be Julius Randle. Yeah. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. Like, no, I was just saying, it's like, you know. We were joking before, how amazing would it be if the Lakers this offseason strike out on all the big names and end up bringing in Randall and then putting out an offer sheet to the Nets for D'Angelo Russell <laughs> that they don't match. And they bring him back. <laughs> bring the gang back together. Bring the gang back together. Part of why I'm not as sad about, and now the Lakers didn't handle this well and it led to this, but Julius asked out of this. Like, they could have leveraged him in a, in a buyer's did. market. I, this, the, the very end of it, it's like, yes, the agent wanted out, the player right. wanted out, and all that stuff. It, it was the, the mistake that the Lakers made with Randall, those mistakes occurred Fifteen months before, totally agree. It's, it's the telegraphing of everything. The very clear message that you are not part of our future. Well, and I, I, well, the idea that you bring in Brooke Lopez and he and Randall seem like a perfect fit together. Oh, and from painful. preseason, we're going to play Randall off the bench oh. for reasons that are never and it, it, quite it did stated. a disservice to Brandon Ingram, right? Because yeah. like Randall can create his own shot. Nance is the complete other end of the spectrum. Good player, right? But just you, you like this kid in Brandon Ingram who averaged nine points a game the year before. Now all of a sudden, Lonzo can't get his own shot. KCP can't. Nance can't. Lopez can't. Although he's a good offensive player. Good luck, Brandon. Like it's all your show. That, that like that's part of the whole picture we're talking about with player development. Little decisions like that. Um. Yeah, that, that it all makes me mad. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, so let's 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 ask. But it this also question. made us the mayors of Randall Island, and yes. that's that's been a nice uh, a nice little time. And I, it was it was not a nice little piece of super real long commute yeah. from from Russell Island to Randall Island, but I was happy I made it. Um, Lakers again. I mentioned it. Twenty one and nineteen. They are in the eighth spot right now. Where do you think they finish? At what timeline are we working off? Like, where do you think they finish? Like, finish for the season? Yes, for the season. Okay, I, what I, seed I didn't do know you think you, they will be? I didn't know if you meant uh, finish when LeBron comes back. Like, where are they sitting when LeBron No, no. Back? Well, they could be, if this lasts too long, they'll be 13th. <laughs> um, probably around what I originally thought would be, like, 6th, 5th. Yeah, I think like they that. can get to five. I think, I mean, if we're presuming reasonable help from here when on does, out. So, I'm, uh, let's say LeBron is reevaluated on Friday mm-hmm. and can come back. You know, Does everyone else stay a day healthy or, two. or reasonably yeah, healthy? Yeah, reasonably so. 
a normal amount of an acceptable normal. I mean, they're only, they're only two and a half games outside of a first round of home court advantage. Right. So I mean, this sure, thing that's, is why really it's, tight. that's why it's, it's a not... different conference than it was last year, where you know, forty six win Denver Nuggets team missed the playoffs last year. Yes, the Lakers are on pace to still make the playoffs, even with this stretch at you know on pace for what forty two, forty three wins right now. They're twenty one nineteen, which five twenty five. It's about forty three, forty four. Yeah. And it's because there have been so many good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say about five or six. What do you have, Brian? I'm looking at it right now because all of a sudden the Spurs look legit and the Rockets are, you know, but the Clippers are going to keep sinking slowly, I think, although they've won a couple straight. I think it's about a seven. I don't think they're going to be able to get much higher than that because, you know, these games without LeBron kind of hurt. But then, if you told me they were going to get a, it's it's the teams that they're chasing that I think make it intriguing. Like, are so they who's play? clearly better than the Lakers? I'm the looking Lakers. at it right now. I think that I think they're not going to catch the Nuggets. The Nuggets are too far ahead, mm-hmm. and plus the Nuggets are really good. good. Yeah, like they're really good. Yeah, uh, they're not going to catch Golden State. I don't think. Although the Warriors are going to throw this sucker into cruise control, uh, and they'll lose some games while they're trying to incorporate Boogie. The Thunder are going to keep the pedal of the metal all year long. I don't think the Lakers catch them. The Clippers, I think the Lakers can can and will catch the Clippers. The Rockets, they're starting to rocket. I I think they're they're clearly better than the Lakers. Yeah, especially if... How much longer can they keep Chris Paul off the court? Right. That seems to be working out really well for him. As long as uh, Harden can average 700 points a game. He's been unbelievable. The Spurs, I don't trust it. What do you think about the Spurs? I... I admire kind of Popovich's defiance <laughs> toward the modern <laughs> NBA game. You know, like if you look at them, one of the an interesting stat on them is it, most, if not all, they have the highest percentage in most of the shot zones in the league. Meaning that they put an emphasis on getting good shot, like on getting open shots, and and they don't care where they come. Right, and part of like. I don't agree that every mid-range shot is bad, and certainly not from every player. They've got Aldridge and, right. and, and, DeRozan, and, and DeRozan. Right, and DeRozan are two great mid-range players. But even we see this with Brandon. Like, Brandon pulling up on a hard stop and having a big man on his heels and shooting an essentially open 15-footer, I'm sorry, that's a good shot. He's going to make that more than half of the time. And that's different than a contested with a guy, you know, hand in the face. They're not all the same, and I think the Spurs do a great job of maximizing where open shots And it's funny because, like, the analytics, we're so now conditioned. We're like, if it's not a layup or it's not a three, it's a bad shot. Yeah. And, and that's just not true. Right. I think that that changes from player to player. Now, I think that's by and large that's true, but I think that we've become too uh, rigid in our thinking mm-hmm. on that. I like what Popovich does. I don't think I, I think they're a seven or eight seed ultimately at the end of this. So the, yeah, right now the Lakers are two games behind the Spurs. You figure if it takes LeBron three or four more games to come back. That gap grows by a game. game One of those games is going to get swung because they play Utah. That's the team that I think is 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 interesting. Like the Blazers, the Lakers could catch the Blazers, but like the every year it's like there's this like Rorschach test on how good Portland is, Mm -hmm. and like Nurkic is playing at like an all world level, and the bench seems to be working out and all that stuff. They got off to that great start though, and then they kind of slowed down. I don't, I don't, I don't know how good they are either. They're not bad. I I also feel 
perhaps the most important factor in all of this is that LeBron has access to different gears that we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. And we see him access that in the playoffs year after year. I feel like the Lakers will kind of get to where they wherever he feels they need to get to um it's so. disappointing he has to hit him though earlier like yeah this is where the well, free actually th- i i still hope he can always pick and choose those gears after the groin yeah the point. We, we have not seen lebron post groin well i'm just saying PG. we have not se- <laughs> we have not seen lebron Is bg and AG in, in ag <laughs> we have not seen lebron deal with at least a known evident injury yeah that often in his career yeah um, I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's still a robot. Give him the benefit of the doubt, too. But the ability to shift gears whenever you choose is going to be affected no, but, by I mean, your think about Think about if they had a competent. Particularly that. If they had a halfway competent free throw shooting team. <sighs> they'd be sitting on. I, before Friday's game, I figured it out. They left about 66 points on the on the table. I don't know which games those. You can't know which games those 66 points would have won them. The answer is not none. Like I don't know how they've been distributed. I don't know, but like you know, they would they would have they would have they would have twenty four wins or twenty three wins instead of twenty one if they were even sort of competent at at the free throw line. That's I mean it's not out of character though when you look at these guys how they've shot historic like oh, it's not at all the only thing that's the only thing that's play. out of character is how well KCP is shooting. Yeah, that's it. That's the only thing. Yeah, and I, I, I wrote like, a piece for the Athletic, did, uh, basically just saying this is bad and it ain't going to get better. And this is one of those things. Like when we all sat here and it took for you know the first couple of weeks, we were like, oh, it's a little different. They're shooting better than we thought. Maybe you know the the Palinka sort of selling us on like, but if you break down their catch and shoot and this and that, and when they're coming off this, well, maybe they they have an idea of that they'll be better. And they were for a little while, but now they're just kind of shooting like they've always shot. Uh, LeBron stopped shooting ninety three percent from three point range, but like the th- the free throw shooting, like do you think they really thought about how bad a free throw shooting team this is going to be coming into the year? I mean, they weren't good last year either, I, but they made zero. They thought about it, they apparently said YOLO. They made zero effort I mean, to improve it. <laughs> yeah, because they, they they went into this really daring it to happen. I mean, all all of what they pursued, I, I would be fine with it if they were able to implement what they had in mind. So when you sign Rajon Rondo, you're not signing him expecting him to shoot well. Now, he shoots well on wide-open shots, but right. there's no volume on that, right? Lance Stevenson is having actually a career year from three-point range. He's he, But when you sign these guys, it was all done. We're not trying to copy the Warriors, right. and we're not trying to do and, and to you, LeBron what he did in Cleveland. Want, you don't want to empower Lance to just shoot three-pointers all right, the time. Right, right. So when you sign those guys, you know that. But when you do that, you're saying, we've got playmakers all over the court. Why are they third? to last in the NBA in passes per game if the whole concept was to put playmakers all over the place. Pass the damn ball. Well, because the concept changed. To to what? Just LeBron ball? Because LeBron didn't... I don't think LeBron, once it got going, really liked the concept anymore. Maybe that's true. Yeah. I don't know. But like, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It'd be neat if they pass. You know who leads the league in in, uh, passes or assists per 100 trips? My Denver Nuggets. Yeah. I, this is finally the year that my every year I die on Denver Hill. You've been doing every, this for a long time. Every flipping and it's happening the year, year too. I've always been the guy who dies on Toronto Island. Yeah, and all of a sudden that looks like it's going to work. I mean, I am so excited because they've been doing all this. Will Barton, who is a national treasure, um, is injured and he's coming back soon. Um, we should all enjoy our work as much as Will Barton does. Um, but Millsap's been hurt and Gary Harris has been hurt and like they just. 
It's been pretty amazing. It's the bottom, and they, they, they're a top five offense, top ten defense, and like these guys, the, the end of the like Monty Morris is like a good player. Malik Beasley's. Good. They have a like, system. This is what drives me crazy about the Lakers. The Nuggets can can next man up it because like the system is what everything's built around, and so you you understand your role, you understand your reads out of a certain it's spot. That's what the Spurs do, and that's exactly right. And so. When it's built around a player, though, then Brandon Ingram has to approximate LeBron, and that is doomed to fail from the very moment you think it. All right, well, we've definitely uh, got a lot more season to uh, break down these issues. They're not going anywhere uh, oh, soon. Oh, I think they are. Thank you very much this for joining fun, us, man. It's great, man. Thank you so much. for a while. Thank you. All right. Yes, that's all. <laughs>